Hello and welcome to Nested Folders. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I'm joined today by the lovely Scotty Jackson as always. Hello, Scotty. Hi, Rose. How are you? I am good. And we've got something a little bit different for our listeners today. Some people may have noticed this is not the usual week that we release Nested Folders, but that is because today's episode is sponsored by Devon Technologies, makers of Devon Think 3, and they wanted us to go into our setups of Devon Think for you. So today, Scotty, I'm going to interrogate you all about your Devon Think 3 setup. Are you ready? I stand ready and willing to be interrogated. Well, it's going to be interesting because you are a new user to DevonThink, I believe, whereas I've been using it for quite some time. So, you know, how did how did you get started with DevonThink? Like, what did you do first when you first started with your setup? So it's interesting. So, yeah, like you say, I'm, I'm a newer user. I've been using it for a couple of weeks now. And my first thought was, OK, I'm going to organize everything exactly the way I want to start sorting things out. And then I realized very quickly that doesn't make sense because I don't know exactly how I'm going to use it. So with with Devon, think one of the key conceits is that you have a number of databases and then each database has a number of groups. And, and I guess you can think about those databases in different ways. I've started to think about them as categories. But when I initially started, what I did was I just made one database called life. And I started making groups in there for, you know, grouping seemingly related collections of things uh, so that I could start putting things together without worrying too much about the architecture. And I figured, you know what, I'll, I'll just sort of let this grow and organize with me as my usage of it also grows. And that turned out to be a really good strategy, I think, because, you know, now I'm sitting on uh, three different databases that I'm using, like I say, as categories. I've got one that is for client projects, one that is for you know, strategic projects, and one that is for personal projects. And then, and then I've got a group that represents each of those projects. Um, and so in that way, I've got a really nice, you know, scalable framework for how I'm going to organize things. And I, I know where things are going to go. But all of that was also born out of the way I was actually using it. So uh, I started with just using it and then designed the architecture to match as opposed to trying to divine the architecture ahead of time. Uh, and then find out that maybe it's janky or doesn't work or or something like that. Yes, and that's often a problem that we, we face with our reference systems, isn't it? Where you, you start with this wonderful plan of this is how it's going to go, um, but then faced with the reality of the system, it can be very difficult to move things around. Did you, did you find that it was difficult to convert from one database into the three databases you have now? Or, or was that relatively easy for you to do? And, you know, did it just flow as you expected? Yeah, really it did. I mean, the databases can be renamed. I can drag and drop the groups around. So not a big deal. Like that, that ended up being, you know, quite, quite a nice treat. I think the biggest revelation to me was, and why I'm grateful for not over architecting things at the beginning were the number of things that I might have thought I would use groups for that I didn't actually need groups for. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. in, in the end, and at a super high level, like Devon think is this great um, um, aggregator of content. You you can store all the things in it. And so for a lot of projects that I work on, this comes in really, really handy. Um, Put it pulling together Google docs and PDFs and images and MP3s and uh, bookmark links to things, putting them all together. That's great. Other projects don't, 
actually have those kinds of resources, even if even if they're really important projects to me, they don't have that variety of content. Maybe they're based more on communication or something like that. And so uh, uh, in, in those cases, trying to architect Dev and Think to be ready for that, uh, may, maybe not necessary. So it's great because I can employ it where I need it. Um, I can set it aside where I don't. And I think probably my most favorite thing about it is that I can link to all the stuff mm-hmm. very easily, particularly on iOS. Um, a long press copy is link and I can throw that in my task manager. I can link to it from my calendar and I can just quickly make files as resources super available to myself, which I, which I really like. Yes, I have to say that's also a, a very good system for me as well. So from what it sounds like, you have a relatively flat structure. You know, you have a database and then I'm guessing just one level of groups inside of that with one group for each project, or do you have subgroups inside of some of your more complex projects? So far, I've been able to keep it as uh, flat. So three three databases as, as collections with, uh, with one layer down of groups. Um, I'm finding that so far, that's good. Um, if I had a, a, a really lengthy, pro- like one of those projects that lasts a year and you accumulate a lot of things about, I could see going into subgroups for sure. For now, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have any of those long horizon projects that are gathering these kinds of artifacts yet. So I'm one layer down with groups. Uh, and I'm finding that that architecture combined with, um, search and the smart groups is is adequate for me way finding my way through my own stuff. Um, the smart groups that I find in particular super useful are, you know, images, because a lot of times I'm dealing with um, image assets to go on web pages or in communications. So being able to quickly look through those. Uh, and the other one being uh, based on recency. So show me all the stuff that I've recently modified or recently viewed. Um, holy smokes, that's incredible, because... Um, oftentimes it's the thing that I have, you know, most recently worked on that is going to be the thing that I need next. So, I mean, the, the search is great. So, I mean, I could be using search, I suppose, all the time, but my mental model doesn't always, you know, bring me to search as the place to start. I, I like that it's my fallback, but a lot of times I start rifling through drawers before I think, you know, I can, I can search all the meta stuff about these. I mean, that's that's how us humans work, isn't it? Let's be honest. Most of the time, instead of, you know, like asking somebody if they've seen this thing, we'll just start going through drawers and throwing stuff on the floor and looking for mm-hmm. it. And then somebody will be like, oh, are you looking for the glasses that are on top of your head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Thank you, search. Yes. You know, the search is very useful. So did you create these smart groups that you're talking about or are you just using the default ones that are built into Dev and Think? I mean, those ones were default. So – that's that's really cool. Um and and those have have thus far been the most um interesting for me. The other one being bookmarks. So um what I really appreciate is the organization that I work for, we do most of our collaboration through G Suite, which means that um I you know, most of the time I'm using a browser as a document editor. Um, which, you know, isn't super handy for having things, you know, next to that, that might be more hard asset based, you know, obviously I can upload my PDFs and images and so on to a Google drive, but that isn't always the super fastest way of putting everything together here. I can just quickly drag 
a Google document as a bookmark into DevonThink. And then if I click on it, it uses the like inside DevonThink browser to allow me to edit right in place. So it looks like a document and it's next to all of my other documents which is really super useful. And the in-app browser remembers your credentials, right? So you're not constantly having to sign in or switch over to Safari or Firefox or whatever it is you're using. I presume Chrome, if you're using G Suite, is probably a good option, but it, it works directly inside of DevonThink all the time. That's right. So, I mean, yeah, the, obviously the first time I, I, I tried this, I, it kicked me over to Google through the in-app browser. And I sign in, I do two-factor authentication, and then I'm in it and... and, and 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 now I forget that that sign in experience even existed because, again, it's being treated, you know, in a lot of ways like a document. I mean, it, 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 in actuality, of course, it's a web page, but it, but it has that document editing feel to it, which is, which is great. Yes, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you actually is: it sounds to me like a lot of what you're doing is on iOS, or would you say it's a fairly even split between the Mac and iOS, or you know, how are you mostly using DevonThink? Actually, that's uh, that's a really great question. I, I tend to be a really heavy iOS user, but in this case, I've I found that I've found DevonThink to really be a part of my Mac workflow first and foremost. Uh, just because I, when I'm doing uh, web page development or layouts or designs, I tend to gravitate towards my Mac more uh, than I do my iPad, uh, and so in that sense, you know, I'm collecting. Uh, assets and using assets more frequently from from that Mac based workflow. Um, I, I also think that in general, I, I would say that I'm thinking about Devon Think a lot like a file manager, uh, and I don't feel like I think about files as much when I'm using iOS, just because it, like file management is is not really its strong suit. You don't tend to operate with with files or documents in iOS as much as you as much as you interact with apps. Uh, on the Mac, though, the files and documents become much more prevalent as part of just how one uses Mac OS. So it seems like a bit of a more natural fit for me. But that said, um, I sure do appreciate on iOS being able to quickly share sheet stuff from wherever into the DevonThink smart inbox or global inbox so that, you know, whether I get, you know, a link or something by email or uh, even just, you know, notes or, or anything, I can just quickly shuttle that off into DevonThink inbox and then I can manage that inbox uh, and sort things through uh, from my Mac later. Uh, again, I, I think it's just more of a natural, more natural mental model fit for me to be doing that kind of work in my Mac. Okay, so you, you mentioned there that you're using the share sheet on iOS to add stuff. Is is that the primary way that you're adding things, uh, for, at least on iOS? Are you using the share sheet on the Mac as well, or are you using a, another method to add things into DevonThink? I tend to not be a share sheet guy on Mac. In, in fact, it doesn't really occur to me very much, um, but I drag and drop all over the place. So I can drag and drop stuff, obviously, from Finder into DevonThink, but I drag stuff right out of an app like Agenda where I take meeting notes uh, and drop that right into uh, DevonThink and then it stores it just as a, as a wonderfully easily indexed plain text file. Um, dropping mind maps in there from MindNode, um, dropping images and PDFs and, and bookmarks. I've talked about that. So I would say that on the Mac, that's where a lot of the content is coming from 
where it comes to, you know, an external asset is, is mostly from drag and drop, but I do really appreciate the opportunity to also create content from scratch right in Devon think. So um, what I've taken to doing kind of on a per group basis is um, creating a new markdown document um, just in place there. And, and it's kind of becomes like my meta place to, to write down things about a given group that are on my mind. So in my case, because a group represents a project, maybe it's um, a quick summary of, you know, to do items that, you know, really should find their way into my task manager if they're long, you know, longer need, need to be tracked kind of actions, or it might just be, you know, some loose thoughts and so on. Uh, And what's great is that um, I, I can write in Markdown and then it's got all three views in the in, in the editor on the Mac, where I can you know look at it as I guess source or like raw markdown, or I can look at it as you know rendered. Here's you know here's how, here's how it looks you know with headings and bullet point lists properly formatted out, or I can split screen between the two, which is which is really neat. And then on iOS, the default view is the like rendered nice view. So I I've, because I find that on iOS I'm more referring than writing. So I've got this just nicely formatted list or set of notes or thoughts or what have you that I can quickly crack into uh, if I want to know, you know, what a, what a group is about or, you know, kind of where I left things the last time I put my pen down. Okay. So you mentioned there that you're actually creating some files inside of DevonThink. How many of the, the things that you have in DevonThink would you say are things that you've created there or are specifically editing there? Is it like a 50, 50 split with that? Um, explicitly reference material or is it mostly things you've created actually i i think it's um it's mostly i I would say about maybe about 15 percent stuff i've created inside of devon think so 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 far my usage has been surrounding you know making new markdown files and again for you know for that use case of you know being able to provide myself a spot to put meta information about a group inside that group pretty much everything else is is a hard asset that i've brought in from somewhere else whether that's like i say you know a mind map or a text file or a doc or a pdf or a or a bookmark or google doc or something like that Mo- most of that content is coming from other places and then it's complemented or augmented in value for me by being able to add in my own stuff right 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 from where i am that's really useful to know. Um, have you experimented with adding uh, the extra meta information for on things? So I know that you can add comments to specific files and so on. Have you experimented with that yet? Or is it something that you may do in the future? Uh, I, I may do in the future. I experimented a little bit. Uh, and this is where the, the markdown usage, that, that just felt a little bit more natural for me, but I can understand why um, having you know the comment on a per asset uh, thing would be really valuable, especially if you've got um, a lot of assets, you know, around a given project or theme or or group of things. Uh, I have done some tagging, uh, and and I like that because then I can I, I can quickly search by tag um, and, and and see a cross section of related things uh, because I've got some. Uh, some assets or some notes that are valuable across a couple of different groups because they relate to different, but maybe complementary projects. So mm-hmm. being able to being able to pull that uh, uh, pull those things together when I'm thinking about you know one project, but having the asset live in one place. Uh, now I can see it in a couple of different spots or ways, which 
which is, you know, conducive to my workflow. Yes, I can see that would really work. And I have to say tags are something that I've really been finding useful myself, but we'll get to that in a few episodes. Um, mm. So how are you finding this to be better than just straight up Finder, for example? Because surely you could replicate at least some of what you've got with Finder. I mean, you you, you could. I mean, and I mean, what I think of the most is that like this gives me a better aerial view of the things going on than Finder can. Um, just because it's it's designed around, to me anyway, it seems like it's clearly designed around being able to aggregate information in a way to use that information, not just a place to store it, but a place to store it and use it. Um, so like you said, it's got, you know, these places to put tags, it's got all, all, all of these different um, means of organizing things through structure by making various databases and groups. Sure, you can do that in Finder by making a whole bunch of folders and so on. But I, I think it's tougher to get that aerial view of, of all of the things and navigate between the different things smoothly and easily. Um, so that's that's the part that I, I appreciate, I think, the most about introducing this into my workflow is that it's familiar enough out of the box because like you say, it's it's a little reminiscent of Finder. It's it's a way of storing material, but it's also um, designed for me to move quickly across different areas of it, and more as like a library that I navigate through. Kind of like, I mean, it's like the difference between using you know iTunes for your music. Excuse me. It's like the difference between using music for organizing your music as opposed to just, you know, putting a whole bunch of MP3s in Finder. Like, I mean, sure, you can do that, but I mean, music is going to help you move across your library much more easily. And and this is the same sort of, I, I draw the same sort of comparison here, except that um, it's not just one file type, it's it's all the file types. And also I can create content right there. That's definitely a win. And of course, it gives you the sync as well to get it over to your iOS devices where you you can actually use it. That's right. And 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 selective sync too, which I, I was a little bit on the fence about at first, but then I realized, no, actually, that's a that's actually a really nice um, storage feature to make sure that I'm not, you know, I, I put something in DevonThink that is maybe a, you know, two gig video. Uh, for something that I'm going to be uh, managing or, or using as an asset, boy, do I am I sure glad that that is not syncing over to my iOS device because you know, storage management becomes a problem. So I actually really like uh, the ability to turn sync on on and off in particular like zones or areas or ways, as opposed to just saying "Yep, sync is on" or "Nope, sync is off." So I can I can get at the things that I need to get at from my phone or iPad, but I can also ignore and not have to store the things that wouldn't make sense to. That that makes sense. Um, and speaking of storage, you know how how are you syncing DevonThink? Because there are a lot of different sync options. So which one did you go with? There sure are. Um, I use I use iCloud um, in general because you know as as a data privacy person, I feel like I mean iCloud comes with the package as soon as I start using an iPhone, right? So uh, I, I'm in iCloud. I might as well just keep with that. And that just sort of makes it simple for me. Um, I, I mean, I, I use Dropbox for a couple of things where I collaborate with others. But where it comes to my own stuff, uh, I'm all in on iCloud, which is – so it was, it, was, it was nice for me to see that that is neatly built in. And I had to do very little to set that up 
uh, other than provide encryption keys. Oh, because it's encrypted, which is which is double nice. You talked about the global inbox earlier. So this is a, an inbox that's shared between all of your databases, right? Uh, how are you yeah. using that? Do you just throw things in there and then deal with it later? Or are you using the smart organization features that come with uh, with DevonThink? I know that there are smart organization features and I know there are like AI things that help you get around quickly. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that for now. I'm mostly just enjoying the ability to quickly shove stuff in there and know that I've got it and that it's in a place that I will refer to. And even if I don't get to organizing it, search will help me find it uh, when I need it later. Um, I've been working with, well, I mean, we've all been working with inboxes, with email as a way of managing things forever. I've been working with the notion of an inbox through a task management system for over a decade. Um, so to me, that makes a lot of just sort of mental sense of like, here's where stuff starts. And then it finds its way to the place it needs to go once it's, you know, once I've, you know, picked it up, looked at it, recognized what it is, you know, processed it and organized it. Uh, into its appropriate spot. Um, so doing that with files and assets, uh, being able to do that in that way just makes so much sense. So having that workflow, um, n- not just honored, but set up for me in, in Devon think is fantastic because that means I can just, you know, I can share it and forget it. And and then when it comes time to process my inbox, that is when I worry about, okay, what is this? Do I really need to keep it? If yes, where does it go? Uh, and then that is, that is where it gets sent to. Uh, again, you know, I'll just quickly drag it and drop it and it's, and it's where it needs to be. So do you use the individual inboxes in any of your databases or does everything just go into the global inbox for future you to process? Right now it's all going into the global inbox. I, I, I can imagine that if I had um, a, a more complex, you know, once I've spent more time with Devon Think and I have a more complex structure, uh, it would probably make sense for me to ship things to separate inboxes. For now, because I'm only running on three databases with one layer deep of groups, uh, having one inbox to rule them all uh, makes a lot of sense and in the darkness bind them. Uh, but I could see future me being interested in subcategorizing by using those separate inboxes uh, so that I'm making future me inbox processing that much lighter weight. That That's really useful to know because I, I do things a little differently to you. But uh, as previously mentioned, we'll get to that in a, a future episode. But what I'm really curious about, and I know you said you've not been using DevonThink for that long, but how do you plan to archive things? So when a project is finished, you mentioned that in some cases you have files that are valid for multiple projects and you're using tags. So what is your approach going to be when it comes to archiving? Okay, so this is this is like asterisk forward-looking statement may not turn out to be true, but the way I'm kind of imagining it, and I've only thought a little bit about this, um, but I'm, I'm imagining a, a separate database, in fact, called archive. And when I do that, then I do think I would be introducing uh, groups and subgroups because there, I think archive as a top level makes sense. And then the next layer down might be the name of the database from which something came. So, archive database with groups for client projects, strategic projects, and personal projects, and then subgroups in there for each archived actual project, I think. 
Um, again, I, I don't I don't know if that will actually work for me because I haven't play tested that, but that's how I think I'm going to start. Um, and I, because I like the idea of of carving out visual cruft, so I can I I don't have to look at it because it's not pressing on me, but it still has a deliberate architected structured home, so I know where to go to get to it, and it's still found within the same search and tagging mechanisms. So, um, you know, I, I could, I could also see, you know, using a tag of archive for any single asset that goes in there just so that I could quickly, you know, exclude things from search. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see how, how I will use it and if that will work, but that's the, that's my kind of going in thought about how I would start. And I'm interested to learn from you about how you do that, because as a longer time user, uh, you'll have gone through a couple of iterations, no doubt, of your system and system architecture. So uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation, too. Yes. Um, and I have to say, you know, I like the idea of, of the extra database because, of course, on your iOS devices, especially, you could just say, I, I don't want to sync my archive database over here. I on On these devices, I just want this active da- these three active databases or it might be on your iPhone for example you only want the personal projects i don't know are you using devon think on your iphone or are you exclusively using it on your mac and ipads at the moment or ipad singular uh, yeah i i would love to, uh, i've got a row of 50 ipads uh-huh. i uh, no i i i'm mostly using it i'm using it more on my phone i think at this point um just because uh, my iPad workflow is weird um, because iPads are kind of weird right now. I mean, they're in this sort of strange in-between place of being kind of like a notebook and kind of like an iOS device, uh, particularly because I have an iPad Pro with a smart keyboard. Um, I, I kind of use it quite unlike I use either of my other devices. So I would say that I use Devon Think more on my phone and Mac than I do on my iPad right now. Um, but again, that's mostly because this is early days. And I would say that um, my own personal workflows on my iPad are, are probably kind of suboptimal because they're not quite iOS like a phone and they're not quite Mac like a Mac. Um, I, so they're I feel iPad like I, OS like an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, Scotty, great metaphor. Um, I, yeah, so I, I would say that I'm... Uh, I'm I'm still kind of on the learning curve on that in terms of how how I will use it. Other than you know, again, much like on my phone, shoving things into inbox. Yes, absolutely. And you know, shoving things into your inbox is always a good place to get started with this stuff because you know we we never know. Sometimes you know, like, do I really need this? Well, being able to just throw it in your inbox, um, you know, be like, I probably am going to need this. Let let's save this so I can come back to it and process it and put it in the right place later if I do need it. That's one of the things that you know. It sounds like is making Devon think really good for you and your system and setup. For sure. I mean, I'm I'm a GTDist, right? And so, I mean, that all starts with like step one, collect or capture. And uh, you can always decide to uncapture something, but you can't decide to un-not capture something. So um, I, I would way rather go with the decision that allows me to change my mind in the most easiest way, which is capture as much as I feel like I need to in order to feel comfortable. And so I, I can hit the delete key from stuff in the inbox. Like that's easy. Um, 
but knowing that I have a natural home for uh, things to go has been really actually revolutionary for my OmniFocus inbox because I, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I use OmniFocus as my task manager, spoiler alert. Um, I, and I traditionally capture everything into that inbox uh, that is relevant to my life in any way, whether it's, you know, reference or action or, or anything. Uh, and the A, that's not a great or very healthy practice. B, it means my OmniFocus inbox is huge. And C, it means a lot of my OmniFocus inbox is unactionable. Well, now I'm able to relieve that weight from OmniFocus by not putting it into OmniFocus at all uh, and instead shipping it to DevonThink because it's unactionable, but uh, is something that I will need to support an action later so I can get to it when I need it, but I don't need it presented to me uh, until such time as you know action or context calls for it. So um, that, that's been really nice for my overall stack of apps to have a place for non-actionable things to go. And as well, I would say that, you know, if, if the thing is, let's just say a PDF, um, a lot of times I would not put the PDF in OmniFocus. I would instead, you know, make a note that, you know, I have a PDF. <laughs> um, now I can just ship the thing itself right into DevonThink and skip OmniFocus altogether. Uh, and now I've got a, a better um, dichotomy of actions and reference material. See previous nested folders episode. And um, not just not just in practice, but in capture as well. And this then ties back to your previously stated thing of you're you're using the links in DevonThink so that then you can add this stuff into OmniFocus, but you don't have to put the file somewhere. You put the file in DevonThink and then you can reference it in OmniFocus if you need to, right? Absolutely. And then and then I don't have to store I, – I, I don't like storing things in OmniFocus as, as files because the way I like to treat it as actions is when when something is completed in OmniFocus, to me, it's gone. It might as well be deleted because I'm never, ever going to look at it again, which means that if a, a project or an action had an attached file, that asset is effectively lost. Uh, now I don't have to sweat that at all because um, the the reference material can stay exactly where it was always until I come up with whatever my clever archiving system is going to look like. Um, but uh, I've got a, I've got a cross link back, um, that, and I use that in OmniFocus. Like I said, I'm using it in my calendar. I'll use it in Agenda. Um, I can very quickly reference things uh, that make sense for me to reference, and but leave them in DevonThink and not have to worry about moving them around. Well, I'm really liking your DevonThink setup, Scotty, and I think everybody is going to really be able to learn a lot from you here. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another DevonThink episode where we're going to dive into my setup to let people know about some more things. But in the meantime, I would really like to thank Devon Technologies for sponsoring this episode. If you go over to devontechnologies.com slash nested folders, then you'll be able to find out even more about DevonThink and download it and use their wonderful 150-hour free trial. Uh, if you would like to find out more about us, we are over at nestedfolderspodcast.com, as always. And if you want to send us feedback, then we are at nestedfolders on Twitter. And DevonThink is also on Twitter if you would like to send them some feedback or thank them for sponsoring the show. Scotty, where could people find you? I can be found on the internet at heyscottyj.com or by the same name at heyscottyj on Twitter and Instagram. Rosemary Orchard, where might people find you? 
You can find me over at rosemaryorchard.com, and that's with links to all of the things that I do on the internet, including the social media accounts where you can send me things, including cute cat pictures if you want to. Once again, thanks to Devon Technologies for sponsoring this episode, and we'll be back next week with our regular content. Goodbye, everybody. Bye for now.